You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Good morning, Discovering Discos. Today we discover how a flabbergasted American tourist was asked to sign a waiver when he ordered a medium done hamburger, how whole milk is making interesting strides among celebrities, influencers, and Gen Z, and the beef some people have with companies' claims on climate-friendly foods. Welcome to Discover Ag, where food meets pop culture. We're your hosts, Natalie Antara, millennial cattle rancher and dairy farmer. And every Thursday, we go beyond the headlines to discover what's new in the world of food. Well, Natalie, I have a big question for you. How was the bull sale? How was the bull sale? That is the million dollar question. It was so good. We are um, exhausted but but also very fulfilled it was um it was just an all around really great day how was jax's lemonade stand that's actually the real question that is on everyone's mind if you have been following the jax lemonade stand saga in your stories that is the question it was so cute a follower messaged in and said like w- give us your venmo like let's like blow jax you know jax's stand up <laughs> it was so sweet um it was so good a little backstory if you aren't following me on instagram our family luke and i hosted our first in-person bull sale i won't get into the the weeds of that but it is a big production it's a big deal and in order to do that we had to turn our calving barn into a bull sale barn and from the first moment that Luke kind of sat down and was like writing down the dimensions of our calving barn um, to see if like it would actually feasibly work, Jax was there. And Jax said he, you know, he kind of asked what we were doing. And he said, well, I want to I want to have a lemonade stand. So it's actually like dra- drawn onto this piece of paper. I have it saved. I think I'm going to frame it, and put it out in the sale barn. But so from day one, Jax has just had this idea that he wanted to do this lemonade stand. And so he actually, we built him this little wooden one and he got to do it on sale day. And he had all, he invited all of his, you know, friends from school and they were there and they made signs. They were wearing signs that said like lemonade. And it was so funny. There was two walking around and the first kid had lemonade on his shirt, you know, piece of paper he taped his shirt. And then the one behind him said, it's really good. And it was just like this whole theatric. It was, um, it was darling. And, and Jack's, um, also had a phenomenal day. Yeah. The texts that you shared to your stories were hysterical that Luke was getting from like Luke's friends being like, hey, like mm-hmm. my kid is talking about the bull sale at school because of the lemonade stand. And it was just like so sweet. Like, I don't know. I was just following your stories, like watching it like a movie all weekend. He's a mini entrepreneur in the budding, I guess. I know. There's no surprise. I feel like with you and Lucas, his parents, while you were doing bull sale things, I was actually at a super fun party. I was at a murder mystery, a 1920s, like roaring 20s murder mystery. And I had never gone to one of those. And it was so much fun. Highly recommend it. I think you'd have to have the right group of friends, which I this was the perfect group. Like everyone got super into it. But we had so much fun. That is super key. So I have done this one other time. It was actually a benefit someone hosted for um, like a, an event they were they were putting on to raise money. And you're absolutely right. It has to be the right people that are like willing to get in character, get involved, like play the game. Otherwise, I could see it being kind of like awkward and a dud. But if you do it with the right crowd, it is extremely fun. We were laughing so hard. Everyone was super in character. So it was obviously like a murder mystery. What The girl who planned it, I was like, you did so much planning. Like so much went into it behind the scenes. But the first like 15, 20 minutes probably were like us just all mingling. And then she was like, okay, like it starts now. Like get into character. And then we all were in character. Daniel like took it, ran with it. Like my brother, it was for my sister-in-law's birthday. So my brother ended up being the one that was murdered. And it was hysterical. Like he got up from the table and was like, oh, I'm being murdered. 
And like, it was just like, it was so fun. And so I'm just like, if you are looking for a fun party with like a group of like 20 ish friends, I highly recommend it. And we all dressed up. It was like, it was very giving mob wife aesthetics for sure. So what was your character? What was yours and Daniel's characters names? So my character was a filmmaker, which I feel like it was perfect with everything we do at Discover Ag. I was like, thank you, whoever picked this for me. <laughs> I was in love with Daniel, but Daniel was in love with like a socialite. I wasn't one of the socialites. So I was kind of like an outcast. So everyone was very skeptical of my character the whole night because I was filming a documentary on like the CEO who ended up being murdered. But yeah, Daniel was a book writer and it was kind of like a gossip girl is kind of what Daniel was. He would not know that reference. So I never told him that. But essentially, he was like kind of the um, Dan of Gossip Girl who was writing about all these people because he was like an outsider from Brooklyn. Um, So, yeah, it was hysterical. Dan's like, quick, let me channel my inner pen badgley. (laughs) (laughs) He would not know who that is. But that's what I was thinking all night. I could not stop thinking about Gossip Girl for him. Okay, one more quick question before we dive into the articles. Did you solve the murder? No, I was wrong. I thought the star-crossed lover who was like in love with my sister-in-law, quote unquote, I thought he was the murderer and he was not. So I was wrong. I didn't, I did not solve the murder. I'm sorry. Okay, getting into our articles. But before we do, we want to thank our sponsor, Case IH, and some fun, exciting announcement. We are going to be going to the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California for the week of like Valentine's Day, essentially. So in two weeks from now. Um with Case IH. And we are going to be doing a morning show with Case every day. We have we have so much fun content planned. I don't even want to give it all away. But I am so excited for this. Very excited. And I actually think it's so fitting that you and I will be spending Valentine's together instead of with our (laughs) husbands. Like, I'm not even shocked that that's who I'll be eating with on Valentine's We literally have date dinner reservations already planned for each other. And I love that for us. It's going to be so much fun. No one I'd rather spend Valentine's Day with, honestly, than you. So I'm excited about it. All right. So I guess I should actually like officially thank Case now. So Case AIH has the solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH is built by farmers. All right, you guys, diving into the first headline to discover this week. Title, a flabbergasted American tourist ordered a medium-done hamburger in Toronto and was shocked when a Hilton Hotel restaurant asked him to sign a waiver. So this was out of Yahoo News. And it actually all started, I think, on Reddit because this tourist went onto Reddit and posted about his experience. And it kind of blew up there. He got like a ton of replies. He titled it, Toronto Burger Came with a Release Form. I have so many questions about this article and they were not answered in the article, which was disappointing. Like I was like, do people order this often? Like, do they have the waivers on hand? Was this like a rare occurrence? And then like the server kind of like panicked and they like printed out a waiver, you know, like go on to Google. Like, I'm just like, what, like, what's the protocol here? Those are actually all valid questions. I didn't write any of those down. I didn't think any of those. But now you can't stop thinking them. Like, I, I know. Like, I don't understand. Like, what? What made you be like, here's a waiver? So a little to tee up this plot, now that Tara has posed some phenomenal questions. The tourist quoted that he ordered his medium burger and the waiter took it with no question or comment. Then he continues, she brought it and it looked great. And when I had my first bite, it was after that, that she brought me the release form and said, we always make our burgers well done. But since you wanted it medium, you should sign this. It was some sort of like special request. I kind of feel like going off of your murder mystery theme of earlier. Right now, we're like 
it's a game of clue, right? This is the tourist. It was in the Hilton Toronto airport with the hamburger. That is like cue scene. I know. And so this is like my thought process behind this. I don't think the server thought it was a big deal. And I'm wondering if when she entered it into the computer, if it did some kind of like notification or something like when she selected like that or like something to me when she went back because she did. You would have thought she would have said it right there when he ordered it. Like, that's fine. But like, that's not how we do that at this restaurant. And she didn't. And so I'm like somewhere between ordering it and bringing it out. Some red flags went up for somebody and they were like, whoa. But what's crazy to me is he did not order this burger like raw. He ordered it medium done. It, I don't know. I mean, I personally like my burgers well done. I like my steaks medium rare, but I like my burgers very done. But I'm like, he was not ordering it like rare. I don't know. I thought this was aggressive for a medium done burger. So two things. Now that you pose the question and I'm thinking about it, I do think it was maybe the chef. And I wonder Ooh, if it was a younger trained chef that like just came out of culinary school, like is used to testing temperatures. I feel like in those professional careers, like I remember back when I was like my early years of being a pharmacist and in pharmacy, I was so nervous about so many things that now, you know, 10, 12, 13, whatever years I am into pharmacy now, you look back and you're kind of like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, you really got worked Not up over deal. some of those yeah things. So I wonder if it was maybe like a, a chef where this came from. And second thing, that is one of the things I wrote down that I did immediately think of because I was like, people order beef tartare all the time. Like, it's very common to have beef tartare. And I actually think about a lot that you don't have like chicken tartare or pork tartare, right? Like, you can have beef tartare. So I was like, it's so weird that it was with a hamburger and not like a chicken or something else. Like, I just don't get as nervous personally cooking my hamburgers as I do cooking some other forms of meat. And so I did think it was weird that all of this came around a hamburger. So I kind of uh, went into that a little bit. And there was a quote I found that was when meat is ground up, so any kind of meat, even beef, all the bacteria that could be on the surface gets mixed through the meat. And so the guidelines state that you have to kill in order to kill all the bacteria, it has to be cooked all the way through. And so like, as you said, I was like thinking about that, like you can order a blue steak that's like literally rare in the middle or to, like beef tartare, like you said, that is literally rare. But it's the ground beef of like, having to have that consistency cooked all the way through because yeah you would never have like a raw like raw chicken to me makes sense like that you would be like no I, we can't do that or like raw pork and that even gets into like in the united states we have that little like notification warning at the bottom of menus that says like consuming raw or undercooked food is like dangerous blah 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 whatever all those like legal guidelines are and so i was would be curious also if that warning was like on the menu anywhere like what was going on Yes, I was actually reading a little bit about the tartare too to see why there was a difference between that and ground beef. And the article actually talked a little bit about that too with like steak tartare. They will pick those cuts that aren't blended. And then they'll also, it talked about how they, a lot of chefs will freeze the meat for a certain period to kill any potential parasites too. And so there's a lot of different like intentional handling before tartare that you wouldn't normally have probably with just like, the way you're handling, you know, a general batch of like ground beef for hamburgers, which I thought was interesting. I was really weirded out by his response. I thought his how he reacted to the waiver was weird. So he signed it and then he said, I tried to be nice, so I paid and left, but could not eat the burger. How can you sign a form like this and still eat it? And I was like, I don't know, sign it, eat it. Like, it doesn't feel like a big deal to me. Like, why, I, why are you making this a big deal? 
Oh, that's hilarious. In my mind, I have the exact same response as he would. Really? I think I would. Yes, I think I would sign it because I wouldn't want to, even though I don't dislike confrontation, I just think that, I don't know. I, I do think I would have signed it for some reason. And then I think I would have just been so weirded out, so uncomfortable, so just off, you know, like just thrown off that I think I would have just done the same thing, like gotten up, left, like maybe had two quick bites to satisfy myself and then just gotten up and left. Like, I don't think I could have just like casually hung out after there was this whole like to do about signing a waiver. It just seems weird. Yeah. Okay. I agree to disagree. I would have just eaten the burger. <laughs> of course you would. You would have been like, what else? Do I have to sign anything for dessert? Like what's, what's know, the next way? Like, what else do you like? need me to sign? As long as you give me food and it tastes good, I will sign whatever you need me to sign. Yeah. <laughs> My love language is food. If you guys have not realized that by this point. So one thing though, is this was in Canada and it is not commonplace apparently in Canada. So I think that's like something worth noting too, because that was another question I kind of had in this, you know, unsolved mystery. Um, But there was a lawyer they interviewed about like, he was like a food safety lawyer. And he said that he wasn't really surprised the restaurant like had this in place, but that it is not common practice. Yeah. It'd be interesting if anyone in the world has ever had this experience. Like it just seems so bizarre. If anyone's tuning in who's had something like similar even, let us know because I just can't imagine on what other planet <laughs> that this would happen. Like I didn't, I I don't know. I was I was very thrown when I saw this title to begin with. I'm also curious how the discos feel about it because online there was a ton of conflicting opinions. There was like over 500 comments on the first post and tons of people were obviously surprised about the waiver. Then Equal amounts of people were shocked that anyone would order a medium done burger. So it was like both sides of the aisle. People were outraged. Speaking of that, I am curious. Have you ever had steak tartare or any form of tartare? I feel like I have at some point, but I don't. It's not like standing out in my memory, like as very memorable. But I can't. I don't know. I feel like somewhere along the way, surely I have. We have a friend who literally orders blue steaks every time we go out. Like the he likes it where it barely touches the grill and comes out. And it's aggressive. I mean, it's definitely it's like a lifestyle (laughs) to make that decision. Did you see that reel we shared on the Discover Ag page where the guy is eating raw chicken every single day? Oh, no, 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 no. I did not see that. And I'm really glad I didn't. I'm glad I missed that. Talk about aggressive. It is another level just seeing. I mean, you I mean, you can vision it right now. You can envision a chicken breast and he's just holding it and he takes a big bite out of it. I was actually cooking chicken for uh, I was making a dip for the bull sale day. And I, I like could not get that reel out of my mind. I was, I was cooking the chicken and it was ma- like oh making me sick then. Nasty. And I like yes. like I like raw fish. Like I love sushi. You're not a big sushi or raw fish person at all. And I love it raw. No. I not imagine you, raw chicken. I'm that might turn me off of chicken for the foreseeable future right now. Yeah, don't it, it might pop up. It's probably gonna pop up in your feed because our phones are listening to us now. So Thanks a lot. I appreciate yeah, be careful. <laughs> be careful out there. It's a dangerous world. Be careful, everyone. It's a dangerous world in the restaurants and online. <laughs> 
All right, before you lead us into our second article, we want to thank our sponsor, Armra. We have been getting so many questions, DMs about Armra. So Armra is a colostrum that contains all the nutrients we need to thrive. Armra is a proprietary concentration of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 living bioactive nutrients that rebuild the barriers of your body and fuel cellular health for a host of research-backed benefits from strengthening immunity, improving gut health, improving skin and hair, we are seriously obsessed with Armra. Natalie did get to try the new flavor, and I'm going to let her jump in because one of our number one questions is what flavor to do. And I love the blood orange, but you said the watermelon is lit. You guys, the watermelon slaps. It is so good. I even took it like Tara does, like a shot to, to test it as well. And I'm giving it my stamp of approval. I think I will actually probably stick with that flavor because um, – I used to put it in my greens and so it would mask like whether I had the unflavored or whether I had the blood orange, like Chara said, or this watermelon, you know, when you mask it in something else, you don't really really taste it, which is a benefit. Like I give it to the kids that way, but it makes my water so good. And with our 75 medium, we're having to drink a lot of water that I'm like, I'm going to have a couple with my greens and I'm going to use this watermelon to get a couple of the other water ones down. So I love the watermelon. It is sweet. It is sweet. So obviously it depends on how much water you're putting it in. But if you are interested in trying Amra and you like the idea of having a sweeter, I would try the watermelon. I would order the watermelon. All right. Well, go to tryarmra.com forward slash discover or click the link in our show notes and enter code discover at checkout to save yourself 15% off your first order. That's tryarmra.com forward slash discover or use code discover to save 15% off your next order. All right, you guys diving into the second article to discover this week headline got milk question mark Gen Z does apparently over the last two decades, the conversation surrounding dairy has shifted from got milk to got anything else. But lately, the beverage has been making some interesting inroads among the celebrity set. So this was a little bit actually of an older article out of glamour. And we are going to go on to discuss, you know, the article itself. But before I want to share how we found it, because it's kind of in a roundabout way. But the roundabout way, I think, further highlights maybe like this whole theme and idea to the article that like whole milk is trending upwards. So Adisco actually sent us a LinkedIn post that was talking about advertising of beauty products. And it said, quote, the skincare industry really likes milk as a marketing concept. And then it went on to list how like Glossier had their milk jelly cleanser, how Road Skin, which is Hailey Bieber's brand, um, it has glazing milk. And then just recently, Ilia Beauty, which is a huge beauty company, launched their base face milk. And so through that article, I started investigating Hailey Bieber and her milk products. And that's what led us to this Glamour article. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of like dairy talk over the next two articles, which you know I love. But it was kind of interesting to read all of these articles because as you said, there was like a few different post articles that we read. And even going into the next article, which I know we'll get into, but like the tone of these was just so, I felt like, I don't know, hateful of dairy, which was kind of crazy. I mean, I know they were talking about like how it's on the rise, but it was just the way it was written was very um, obviously not pro dairy. I also thought it was just a really funny article to see in Glamour, like talking about milk marketing strategies. Yeah, it was so interesting to see Glamour covering this. Um, so I want to dive into kind of celebrities because that is the track I went a little bit on this. I had known Hailey Bieber drank milk, I guess, which seems weird to say. But back last year, sometime during the summer, I remember her Instagram post went viral. She was wearing a got milk shirt while vacationing in Italy. 
And I didn't realize it then, but I wondered if it had something actually to do with like the launch of her Rhodes glazing milk. I didn't really like pay attention, but I'm I'm in, like looking back 2020 hindsight, I'm wondering if it does now. It's funny because after she posted that, I posted um, back when you used to do the flip cup challenges, I took photos of me like pouring milk on myself. And so I posted some of those photos with Hailey Bieber. And it's like still probably what I'm like my highest <laughs> Instagram posts. But on top of her, there was Charlie De Emilio, which she is huge on TikTok. I know I'm not saying her name right. I butchered it. I'm sorry for anyone who is like a TikTok fan of hers. It's a very hard last name. Um, Got Milk also worked with Mr. Beast. Um, recently, there was Paige DeSorbo, which we've talked about, Amber Fillerup. Um, there was the Aubrey Wood thing, Sarah Foster. I mean, the list goes on of kind of celebrities that I feel like within the last year and this year have been working. I know it's not the Got Milk campaign, but when we can dive into this, but I've been working with Milk Pep. And I just feel like I read in one of the articles that... Sure, these are like very hyper kind of focused instances, right? Like you're pulling out certain celebrities. There's obviously a sea of celebrities that aren't. But it was interesting because they said they feel like these partnerships are indicative of a larger what they called incoming real dairy renaissance. I love that so much. A real dairy renaissance. Um, and, and I feel like it is. I found another article and I was doing all this research that talked about like, Whole Milks, uh, they called it a triumphant comeback. Hot, quotation, hot girls are ditching the alternatives and are going back to basics. I saw that one too. I love the hot girls are ditching alternatives. Like I thought that was such a good quote. Uh, the very first opening quote had me rolling my eyes. It was Big Dairy is back and gunning for the next generation. I was like, <laughs> okay, calm down, Glamour. Let's <laughs> Calm down with the theatrics. But no, you mentioned um, Milk Pep. So Milk Pep is actually like the processors. So the people bottling milk, they pay into a marketing fund. And they're the ones that have Got Milk. And then Got Milk now has turned into like Gonna Need Milk, which is like a sports recovery campaign. And then the newest one, which is like the Paige DeSorbo one. And then I think like a female rapper, I swear, did one. I don't – I've been sharing them like crazy as I've been seeing them. Um, but it's the – it's okay to milk. And it's basically like a whole parody of like – it's okay to admit you drink milk because there is like been this whole like taboo around drinking milk. Like even thinking like um, Hillary Duff, when she was on the good guys podcast, she was like, I know it's not weird. I drink cow's milk. And they were like, no, that's not weird. But there, I think like her sentiment, I was like, oh, I think people do feel that way. So I feel like milk did a really good job of jumping on that idea with this. Like it's okay to milk. I don't know. Paige DeSorbo did a great campaign with them. And then as you mentioned, the Aubrey Plaza one with the, the wood milk, I thought that one of the articles got into the fact that uh, milk pep is actually being sued over the wood milk campaign. Uh, apparently, there is people that feel it is unfair or deceptive acts or practices with respect to like quality value of competing products, which I think is hilarious because it was a, literally a parody about wood milk. Like, how is that hurting anyone's feelings? And all of the ads through milk pep have to go through USDA approval. So it did go through approval and got approval. And it's kind of like, I don't know. It feels like such a stupid lawsuit. Yeah, the other side really got their panties in a twist over the Aubrey Wood campaign. Like that, that blew up. Actually, I meant to go to her page. Do you want to look and see? I'm so curious if she has that still up on her Instagram because I, that's one of the things I was thinking when I was like listing all the celebrities that had been doing these partnerships. 
I went to a few of them. I didn't think to go to Aubrey's though, but I went to a few of them to see if they still have their posts up because I'm like, they get so much hate. It'd be interesting to know if they like post, leave it to probably the, the, you know, guidelines of the partnership and then delete it. And it was funny. A couple of them still had them up like, and you could comment and a couple of them had them taken down. And I, I, you know, it's solely because of like the backlash and hate. It's not because they like took the campaign, weren't drinking milk. And then like there was deceit around it. They took it down because they could not handle any more of the comment section which I think is so sad. Going back, though, I want to talk about one thing with Milk Pet because you said that you thought they did a really good job like targeting a certain generation and also like around these different campaigns. And they did make a statement that their focus has been making a concerted push to win over younger generations that have abandoned the drink and flavor of alternatives. And they intentionally were doing that through celebrity endorsements and social media influencers. And I pulled up a stat, which I think is interesting because you kind of wonder why maybe they're going after the generation, you know, that younger generation. Um, And it's so interesting because one study found, it was out of the UK, that 49% of Gen Z consumers were, quote, ashamed to order dairy milk in public. And I think that is so fascinating that it maybe doesn't even have to do with health and it doesn't have to do with like any of the, you know, preferences, but maybe literally it's just social shaming that they're choosing to order one thing over the other. And I remember when I was with a friend, gosh, a year ago, you know, I don't drink coffee much, but we were, I went up and ordered coffee for her and they asked if I wanted milk in it. And the only options they gave me were, I think like almond and soy or oat or something. I don't know. They didn't list whole milk. And so I had to be like, actually, can I get whole milk in it? And I felt like everyone was looking like, I felt like the restaurant went quiet. Everyone like dropped, turned and looked at me. No one did, but it was so awkward to be like, um, actually I, I want the whole milk option. Do you have whole milk? You know? And I think it's probably true for so much of the younger generation. They're just maybe choosing to order one thing or buy one thing because of this like social spotlight that you're that's what you're supposed to do. I agree. I mean, I think that's literally what was behind the like, it's okay to milk campaign. And but I thought another article that I saw was about baristas saying that they are noticing more whole milk sales in recent months than the plant based alternatives. And a quote in there said ordering real dairy milk has become quite the act of rebellion. And to be honest, when I'm in coffee shops, and I order whole milk, I like scream it. I'm like, yes, I would like whole milk with that. Does anyone in the restaurant need to know what my order is? Like I am ordering whole milk. And so when it said that like an act of quiet rebellion, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see that, that it's coming back around. One thing with this article that really frustrated with me, and you know this is like something I always get frustrated on, is how they twist milk stats to make milk stats seem like people are not drinking milk because they talk about like the decline in dairy. Dairy consumption is an all-time high. Just milk consumption, fluid milk consumption is like plateaued, I think, now. Uh But people are just consuming dairy in different ways. And so I always just get so frustrated. Like, yeah, in 1945, people were probably buying tons of gallons of milk, but they didn't have 47 different types of Greek yogurt, right? Like lots of different options nowadays. That makes me think of the reel that's going viral right now of, I think it's too, I think they're Amish. Yeah. I'm sorry if I get it wrong, but I think they're Amish and they go into the milk aisle and they're like, oh my gosh, look at all the choices. Like, look at everything. And I think it really puts in perspective, like you said, how many different options there are right now in the dairy aisle too. 
This was a stat that I had no idea about, but I loved. Dairy milk sells as much at retail in one week as oat milk sells in an entire year. Like, I think people love to say plant-based or it's like huge and bigger than it is and that more people are consuming it. And it's like... Mm, not quite. My last thing that I'll say about this is I do think that we're going to see a shift towards more like whole milk and that kind of thing because of a lot of the rhetoric online about like seed oils, sugar added. And that is something that, you know, the plant-based alternatives have struggled with is like their ingredient list. And as people are becoming like more aware of like the back of the label, I do think people when they turn that milk around and it's literally just milk, it appeals to those people that are like ingredient counters or no seed oil type people. Yeah, I totally agree. And even going back to what you were saying earlier about like the quiet rebellion, I also think that I've seen a lot of talk. I even read in one of the articles, I think, about how overseas there is in this conversation, like this is a very American kind of thing. Like even in Europe, whole milk is what you order and it's kind of like frowned upon and weird if you order anything else over there like that is the sophisticated so I do think we're trending back to it obviously the whole raw milk movement I think is like helping again get away from some of those alternatives I did pull up I was just scanning to see if um Aubrey Plaza still has I don't see it I scanned and I didn't see it but she looks like she only has like a handful of reels I feel like she seems like she's maybe a person that deletes content regularly Yeah, she might. I was going to say, I don't think it's on there anymore. And that's not to say that she doesn't delete other stuff, too. But I will say, I think she, I mean, we talked about this when this that aired and launched and kind of everything was going down. I think she probably had to have been prepared for the backlash, but I do not think she was prepared for the backlash she got from that campaign. So I'm I'm honestly not surprised that she deleted that. I know I want to go and look at like Paige's Instagram and see if hers is still up. Like I kind of want to do like a deep dive on this of like whose is up. A lot of times they'll turn the comment section off. So that way like you can't really leave hate. I mean, I guess you could DM someone, but that's like pretty aggressive. Not saying there's people out there that wouldn't do that. But um, that is one way to like get around it kind of is to turn off your comment section. Do you think it's so weird? I know we said we'd get on to the next article. I'm sorry. But do you think it's so weird that – People could like post videos about like you cooking with beef or chicken and like no one would freak out. But like if you post a video of you drinking milk like a celebrity does, people literally lose their shit in the comment section. Like that's just so crazy to me that dairy gets like an like unbalanced amount, like an irrational amount of hate. Yeah, people don't like dairy. I didn't really realize that honestly until I actually started like friends with a dairy farmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you really opened my eyes to it. And it is a different and that's something we talk about too when we go to conferences and they ask about like, hey, online, your and I's response to that question is a very different answer. Yeah, it is crazy. Okay. Moving on, we want to thank our sponsor, Land Trust. Land Trust is an easy-to-use online marketplace that generates income for landowners and provides recreational opportunities for outdoor enthusiasts by connecting them to each other. So if you are a landowner, you have a farm or a ranch, you are able to go on Land Trust and put your property on there and allow for people, outdoor enthusiasts, to use your property, whether it be for hunting or horseback riding or a number of different things. We actually interviewed uh, Land Trust a while back. That's such a great interview if you're interested in learning more more about uh, land trust, but essentially it is like the VRBO for people who 
own land and for people who want to use outdoor space. There are hundreds of landowners, many of whom are fourth, fifth, or even sixth generation, currently listing over 1.3 plus million acres on Land Trust, offering bookings for do-it-yourself outdoor experiences from hunting and fishing to bird watching, foraging, farm and ranch tours, and more. So go to LandTrust.com. Whether you are a sportsman, outdoor sportsman, or a landowner, go to LandTrust.com to be able to either list your property or to book your next private land outdoor adventure. And one podcast that we want to highlight today is the No Sugar Coating Pod. Are you tired of being tired and fighting with your body while emotionally eating or binging continues, you are not alone. Emotional eating is not your fault, and yet it's something you deserve to fully overcome. Are you ready to gain massive insight into your emotional eating triggers? You will definitely want to check out the emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert, Amber... Roman Q's The No Sugar Coating Podcast with over 400 episodes diving deep into the emotional eating and binge triggers, female hormones and gut issues, weight blocks, cravings, and physical, emotional, and energetic connections. After overcoming her own food addiction, she has now helped more than 1,600 women in the last 10 years. This podcast will help you build a newfound level of awareness that you may have never had before. Listen anywhere you get your podcast. Again, that's The No Sugar Coating Pod. All right, you guys, diving into our last and final article to discover this week, headline, How Meat and Milk Companies Are Racing to Ease Your Climate Guilt. A climate-friendly burger, question mark, a carbon-neutral glass of milk, question mark, as companies make bold claims, a heated debate erupts. So this is actually out of the Washington Post, and it's basically talking about how restaurant menus now, in addition to statements like gluten-free and vegan, vegetarian, etc., are now writing what it called, quote, unusual slogans like beef purporting to save the planet one bite at a time. And then it showcased a very specific like Austin burger restaurant as an example. Yeah, this was like a very juxtaposition from our last article kind of like on the other extreme of people, you know, being angry about dairy and milk and the carbon impact. I will say, yeah, this first part of this article is the Austin-based chain, as you said. I kind of want to try it out when we're out South by Southwest. Like, go hit up this this burger joint. It's a costly burger, though. They say that the burgers there, they're like eco-friendly burgers, cost $4 more on average than a normal burger. Yeah, I was actually scanning the menu. They look phenomenal. A couple couple of the, the different options. There's the Big Parma. Okay, it's chicken parm, grilled, pomodora, mozzarella, basil, mayo. There's the Roosevelt, which is um, cherry and fig, honey jam, crispy shallots, goat cheese, peak peppercorn, that and lemon dressed okay. arugula. I know you guys, these, I mean, there's the Mother Nature, the Buffalo Bill, the Good Night, Good Cause. They are so mouthwateringly delicious. So in this article, the Environmental Working Group weighed in. Um, obviously, their quote was not favorable. <laughs> Oh, so you're we're jumping right into it. You're like getting into the heated part of the article, going straight to them. You know how I feel about the Environmental Working Group. I'm not a big fan I, of theirs. Immediately when I saw they're in there, I was like, oh no, Tara's, Tara's not going to like this. Yeah. So yes, they are quoted as saying, eating a hamburger is always the worst choice for the climate, even a hot daddy burger, which is the name of that restaurant. Full stop. What is shocking is that regulators are just standing by while companies are making this misleading claims there's no such thing as a climate-friendly hamburger. Yeah, I think this was definitely um, – there's definitely like a saying. Maybe it's like the pot calling the kettle black because if anyone remembers the Oatly ad that was claiming it was like 
better for the environment than regular milk. In the EU, they made them pull those ads because they said it was false advertising that the plant-based milks couldn't back up those claims. And so for the environmental working group to say there's no regulation on beef or dairy, there's not a lot of regulation on these claims across the board. It's not just beef and dairy. No, for sure. I also I do want to dive into this. I think there's some things I want to like rewind and cover before, though, because I think I have things from like both sides of this that I do want to bring up because the environmental working group even said in that article that they are less concerned with like a restaurant like Hop Daddy than they are. They called out specifically Tyson Foods because Tyson has launched a brand called Brazen Beef, which is like climate marketing around like climate friendly hamburgers and and it gets me into like a pretty deep discussion I want to get into. But I did want to go back to this Austin restaurant change because I think it's so interesting. They were quoted as saying they are targeting climate conscious omnivores. And I think that's so interesting. Going back to the article we just covered, I do again think there's this trend of people kind of like breaking out of this mold we've seen for the last five years or I guess how many. I feel like it's been five, but you know, this this pattern we've been seeing. I mean, that's like literally the foundation of Discover Ag. Like if you go back to our first episodes, it was like our one of our titles was Is Meat Having Its Moment? Like I feel like we are seeing the pendulum swing the other way 100% of we saw it go to plant-based and now we are seeing it like come back around and be a much more like whole foods, well-rounded, like omnivore diet. And that people are realizing like that I don't know, that mix of different types of food is really what's actually best for fueling their bodies. Yeah, they talked about how companies companies are claiming that they can neutralize the climate impact of cows by changing their diets, overhauling how the manure is handled, and transitioning to farming and grazing practices that equip soil to capture carbon. I thought it was interesting that they said companies claim, like they used the word claim in there. And I also thought it was interesting how they were talking about a little like one of the sense before this was how they were using these claims to rebrand, you know, which I thought was interesting as well. Yeah, they said uh, the meat and dairy industries are trying to rebrand as climate solutions. Uh huh. And did you see they talked about our friends Neutral Milk, one of our sponsors way back when of the podcast, we actually interviewed with them um, and how they really got into it about how, you know, Neutral Milk is doing things on farm, but they are like buying some carbon credits, which Neutral talked about when we interviewed with them that it they're trying to find like a balance, especially as a startup. They got into that kind of carbon credit issues of like, if you buy carbon credits, does that make you carbon neutral? And in the EU, they actually have a new law that says in 2026, you will no longer be able to say you are carbon neutral if you are buying carbon credits. Like you will have to say you, I don't know what the wording will be, but essentially you have to make known like I bought carbon credits in order to claim neutrality. Yeah. So this is so interesting to me when they brought up like the neutral conversation. It made me feel like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because on one hand, they're talking about how, you know, applauding neutral, right, for doing all the different like mixes of on-farm practices they are, but then upset that they were also offsetting that, like you said, with like buying carbons. And it kind of is just like, well, what do you want us to do, right? But it does get into this whole conversation about buying carbon credits. And you and I have talked about this a lot, right? About kind of the transparency behind it. And I think that is maybe the, when I said earlier that I have points to both sides I'd like to bring up. I don't know if I maybe have a problem with people buying carbons to offset it. I think I have a problem with the transparency around it. Because like this article was saying when they were pointing the finger at Tyson, 
Um, I also wrote down the saying like pot calling the kettle black because everyone does. It's like, hello, Amazon. We've talked about before how Amazon has like the drop down thing that says like you can shop this. I mean, it is everywhere now, everywhere. And the majority of these companies are just buying carbons, right? Like what are they going to do? How are they going to have any other impact besides buying? But that's not like correlated enough for the consumer to understand that that's what's going on. And so I think a lot of times consumers are buying something thinking the company's doing something or having an impact in a different way when really they're just buying carbons. And so I, I think there needs to be more focus on like that, making that known and making that like understandable for consumers that that's what's going on when these companies make these claims. Yeah. So going back to Tyson, not to pick on Tyson, but I kind of want to pick on Tyson for a little while. They, as you said, launched the brand that is like a carbon neutral steak and they are marketing it as climate friendly. It is only supposedly, according to studies, it only has a carbon footprint 10% less than regular beef. And so talking about like marketing things to consumers as kind of deceitful, like in my mind, if you're going to say you're climate friendly, like surely you're doing more than just 10% than your competitors. I'm not saying 10% isn't nothing, but that does feel like kind of like greenwashing the situation, which actually gets into one of the last things I want to cover on this is that there is a new law in California that's aimed at fighting this corporate greenwashing and that it requires companies that claim their products are carbon neutral or otherwise climate friendly to detail the science used. And I'm actually kind of for this law. I mean, I think it's important across the board, not just for like meat and dairy, but for like plant-based alternatives, like, you know, the claims that Oatly makes, like that it would hold some people accountable on what their claims actually mean. Yeah, so I think this is going to be huge for the next foreseeable future. Like, I don't know if that's five years, 10 years, but like getting this under control is going to be huge for food marketing because at the end of the day, consumers lose. Like those are the ones who are losing. They're the ones who are spending extra money to buy products that have these labels on them thinking they mean one thing when they don't, which again, this is why we're headed to South by Southwest because this is what we're going to be talking about is like different things with food labeling, the greenwashing, the marketing. This is what we talk about when we guess on other podcasts. Like, what do these labels mean and how are they being deceitful for shoppers? There was actually another article um, that was about, who was it? Evian Water is being sued because of their climate neutral claims, but they bought like carbon credits essentially. It's kind of, I think that's what they're being sued about. It was kind of confusing, but essentially they're being sued over greenwashing and saying that their product was climate neutral and that people paid a premium when in reality it wasn't any different or better or really anything than the regular water. I mean, it felt like kind of a stupid lawsuit if I'm being honest, but I think this idea, like you said, is we're going to see more and more of these like people calling out these companies that are making these big greenwashing claims. I think it's also interesting that kind of we're, I don't want to say we're at fault here, but I feel like our hyper focus as a society on carbon reduction, I mean, we talk about all the time, like all they can talk about is carbon, carbon, carbon. Like when it comes to beef, that's all they can talk about. Oh, your carbon footprint, you're releasing these gases. Like that is what the sole conversation on I feel like we've trained consumers to only care about that. I mean, I thought it was interesting that Tyson made a statement that said, we're seeing a strong demand for products that have reduced greenhouse gas emissions and to meet that consumer demand and help our supply chain partners satisfy their own carbon commitments. That's like why they created this brazen beef. Um, I'm not defending Tyson and like their marketing around this, but I do think it's interesting that we got into this whole debacle of, it's like the chicken before the egg, right? Like I feel like we got into this mess because we have been, training shoppers and consumers to only care about Carmen and this like idea of this, you know, climate friendly option when it comes to your food. 
No, I agree. I mean, I always talk about with the plant-based alternatives, and this is like not to put down plant-based alternatives, but when plant-based alternative makes claims like they are better for the environment, it's like, okay, yes, you you use less water. Maybe you use less land, but you are, have less nutrients, right? Like milk is a nutrient-dense food or even beef. Like it's just – I get frustrated when we only compare it based on carbon when you're not comparing like apples to apples. You're comparing completely different products, and then you're making your decision or your marketing claims around carbon emissions, not on like nutrition, which is obviously the actual point of food. Yeah, I think we got so lost in the weeds there for a while, and now it's starting to like bite us in the butt a little bit as we like pan out and have these bigger conversations. And I think that's why we're seeing this resurgence of like the last, you know, article we talked about and some of the other things is like people are starting to like get bits and pieces of the bigger conversation where it makes more sense that they can make better food choices and understand they have like different food options now. Um, I did think this article ended in the funniest way. I absolutely loved it. The going back to the, the first restaurant we talked about, one of the reporters was interviewing customers at the restaurant and just like asking them what they thought about, you know, this like climate friendly burger. And they asked one customer if they purchased a regenerative beef burger. And the person responded, No, I got the one with bacon. <laughs> he just laughed so hard. <laughs> no, I actually just got all the animal proteins I could possibly get on this burger. Well, and just not even understanding. Like I could see it like my I just picture like my dad in the restaurant and some reporter being like, oh, did you get, you know, the regenerative beef burger and him being like, um, no, I think I got, you know, like the bacon one, like just so confused. At, like, no, I think I got like the number one with cheese. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. And you're like, yeah, that is the number one with cheese. I know. It oh. absolutely cracked me up. And it does make you think like ending this, like, do people really like, is that really why they're going to this restaurant? I mean, maybe it's like a piece of it and it's like an interesting story and this restaurant gets, you know, PR for it. But like people just want a good burger and they want bacon on it. If they're being honest. Absolutely. I I do think it'll be so interesting to watch the food landscape in the next couple of years to see like what actually matters, what's important. And that's why we're so happy you guys are here discovering with us because that's what we're doing every week is getting to the root of these food trends. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, thank you for discovering with us and we will see you guys next week. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.